So I think back in time in Sparkbox, and I think back to 2010, and something significant happened that year. You know, we had a good group of core people. There was about 12 of us. And, you know, I had this belief that the people, that we had found the right people, and that these are the people that we were going to grow around, build around, and this is the direction of our company that we were going to lean into and have our future with us. Um, then something happened, you know, uh, the first person left and that was kind of a blow shortly thereafter, another person left and then another person left after that. And over the course of three months, three of those, what I considered pretty core people and friends of mine left the company. And I had to go through a lot of soul searching with that and kind of figure out what that meant. Did we screw up? Did we like make mistakes in such a way where they didn't want to be a part of what we were building? Or was it something else? Welcome to the Overly Human Podcast, where we discuss all things human in the workplace, because it's not just business, it's personal too. Um, hey, Tracy, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm now, good. Like, I'm hanging on the edge of your story. Did you figure out what was going on? Yeah. Or are you able to kind of articulate it? I think so. I think that like after a lot of soul searching and kind of like thinking about this, I've come to realize that, you know, there's seasons for things. Mm. And sometimes the people we start with are not going to be the people we finish with. And... I think it's pretty true that when people join a company or a movement, they identify with what it is when they join. They are looking to be a part of something. And when people join a company in an early stage or any stage, really, they identify with who you are in that moment. That's what they're attracted to. And as things change, which they inevitably will, especially if you add growth and figuring out how to do things, then those people will still identify with who you were, not who you are becoming. And they'll go look for that again. And I think that there are seasons for things and that's okay. Yeah, I think you're right. And I had the same exact experience when I was at HGTV. I mean, there was a small group of us that started and the bigger we got, you know, people would leave or be asked to leave and, and you're right. It's because some people really love the startup phase of a company. Like they are just designed for it. They like when it's scrappy. They like when everybody knows their name. They like when they can have their hands on multiple things and, and have great influence. And sometimes when you grow beyond that, you know, one of two things happen. Either the employee sort of feels like, eh, it's not as exciting as I don't like this phase and I want to go find another startup or something. Or it's outgrown their skill set. So they have a skill set that's, that's good for when things are smaller, projects are smaller, you know, ideas are smaller. But when things get bigger and more massive, it doesn't fit them, you know, as well. And so, yeah, just that the, these phases of companies, the, how roles within companies evolve, they might have the same title, but they might look completely different when you're 20 years into running your company versus years one through five. 
And so, yeah, sometimes we see people move on and sometimes we feel it's time that people need to move on. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a couple cases where we had someone on staff that wasn't quite, didn't quite realize it was time for them to move on. And we had to have those tough conversations to help them realize it and figure out like what's best for the company, what's Mm -hmm. the best thing. And it doesn't invalidate what they did and how valuable they were. It's the the thing changed and the needs changed. And I think that's just a recognition of reality sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I often say that what tends to happen in the business world is that people are very quick to hire right? We feel the pressure when we have an open position and the workload is, is piling on our, our other employees. And so we feel like we have to fill that position as quickly as we possibly can, but then we're slow to fire. It's uncomfortable to fire. We're not quite sure we're doing the right thing, but there are unintended consequences to both of those sides of the coin. You know, there's, you know, when you're too quick to hire, sometimes you can have somebody that's not a good fit or that's not onboarded properly, or that doesn't really understand who you are as a company or what your culture is. And when you're slow to fire, you know, the, especially your top performers can become very deflated and unhappy. Um, so we do have to put more time and understanding and thought behind how we find talent, talented people that fit our, our company. And we also have to think about how are we going to retain those top performers and how are we going to get the people that maybe aren't fits to sort of move on or not yeah. fits in this next phase to kind of move on? Yeah. I think that's, you know, those are all hard lessons to learn. I think that, you know, like my natural bend is I'm, I care a lot about the humans involved. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, most everyone is capable of growth and getting better and improving over time there has to be some limit to that and you know how much investment can be made and what what can be done to help someone along that path and those are really really difficult kind of you know conversations and like i think that in a lot of cases in these types of service businesses the wrong hires are the, some of the most expensive mistakes that we can make oh absolutely and you know, we get stuck in this idea of sunk costs. Like, well, I've already made the wrong hire. I've already invested them in the team. Maybe even they're a good culture fit, but they don't have the right skill set. Or even worse, in a lot of cases, is they have the right skill set, but they're not a good culture fit. Yeah. I think that's the most damaging pe- people that can be on our teams that actually become accidental leaders because they're super skilled at their their, their you know craft, but don't buy in and aren't part of the culture and don't want to be part of that, that's actually somebody to really watch out for. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for us, we've implemented a couple things to help with that is, you know, a 90 and 180 day check-in where we're intentionally stopping and asking on both sides, is the company getting what they expected out of this hire? And also individual, are you getting what you expected out of the company? Mm-hmm. So that it goes both ways. Like it's got to be a mutually edifying partnership for the season they work with us. Um, and that gets into this whole bigger idea, I think, about seasons and, you know, how everybody who chooses to work 
with and at Sparkbox for a while, like it's a season and it's not my first job. And it's probably not a lot of our people's last job. They're going to move on at some point. And that's just part of the life cycle. And I think like we talk about that a lot is that, you know, you're starting here and our goal is to help you achieve your goals and your career and where you want to be. And eventually you might, you know, we talk about become an alumni, graduate and move on from Sparkbox if you, you know, at some point our goals don't align anymore. And that's okay. That's a natural part of growing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a great mentality to have because sometimes I feel like leaders can take people leaving the company really personally. They'll feel like the employee is not really leaving the company, they're leaving them. And in some cases that actually might be true, but in a lot of cases, it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. They've moved on. They want to try something different. They, you know, need to grow their skill set in a different area. There's multiple reasons why people leave companies. And so when we hold our employees with an open hand, then I think that's a great way and a great position to take. So we don't feel like it's a horrible, awful thing when somebody leaves our company to go somewhere else. And we're also realizing that people might just be there for seasons and might outgrow our company or we might outgrow them. And it's all okay. It's like the cycle of life. And sometimes people, the the role becomes like an ill-fitting coat and you can tell you're feeling uncomfortable. They're feeling uncomfortable. Nobody's talking about it. That's why I love that concept of you talking about these check-ins where you're saying, how are you doing? How are we doing? You know, is this a fit? Is it working? You know, what's working, what's not working. And also it sounds like you have a very growth and development mentality. So as soon as an employee enters the door, you're thinking about what their trajectory is, what they're learning, how they're growing. And I think that's a great mentality to have too, when it comes to retaining talent, because most of the time and surveys say this over and over again, that, that employees will leave companies because they don't feel engaged. They don't feel valued. They don't feel like they're growing and developing, especially this generation. Um, they don't have a clarity in the role. And so, you know, I think when we know that to be true, then we can kind of craft our company to be this place where you can grow where you're valued, where we care about your engagement. We want you to understand the vision and participate in that. Um, and we want there to be great clarity in your role. You know what's expected of you. You know, you know how to exceed those expectations. And you know what growth looks like and means, what your potential is within our company. And if companies do that well, they find that they're retaining their employees for much longer, which is very cost efficient. As you mentioned before, it costs money to go out and find talent, keep talent, you know, have to let talent go for them to move on. So retention is, we want to retain our key star players as long as we possibly can. Yeah. As long as is reasonable. And I think it's as long as reasonable and as long as it still meets their goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the the hard part here is, you know, I, I've said this to, I think everybody who, you know, has ever worked for us is like, I care enough about you as a human where 
I can't just care about what happens when it benefits me mm-hmm. while you work here. If I'm invested in you as the person, I want to see you be successful and achieve your career goals, even if they that's not here anymore. Yeah. But while you're here and while our goals align, let's kick as much butt as we possibly can towards our projects and or your, the goals of this company. Mm-hmm. And when they stop being aligned, we're good. Yeah. Go move on. We'll celebrate the time we were together. You were part of our story. We're part of your story. Those will, you cannot undo all of the good things that have happened. We'll right. celebrate you on the way out. What are and, the key things you're looking for when you're hiring somebody? Like, cause it sounds like once you get them in the door, you're so invested in them. Like I think that, talk that you're giving to them once you that is brilliant i think it it really is like what's the step before that like how do you know you're bringing the right person in to be part of your team yeah and i think it's the whole idea like when i think about companies i think there's two different kinds of companies there's talent consumers and talent producers Mm. there's this idea that you're hiring people who can already do the job at a really really high level and that you're bringing in outside talent that somebody else grew then there's this whole idea of talent producers, which means that you're investing in people the entire way. And that allows you to hire more junior people because you have systems in place to turn those more junior members who don't quite have the experience or the exact skill set and invest in them long, longer term to bring them up. There's a lot of companies that haven't invested in that production and that ability to grow people well. And... You know, we're talking about like studios and, you know, service shops. Like, you know, like I don't think that most of us can afford to just be a consumer. We have to invest in that growing people phase of it. So what I look for is somebody who has got the work ethic and a really high ceiling. Hmm. I want to see that high ceiling. I'm looking for a high, you know, EQ, right? A, A people person that understands that the people are important and that's what makes you know software projects successful in my opinion is people is knowing people and being able to work with people high collaboration skills and we also spend a lot of time looking for people with diverse perspectives we're trying to grow a diverse team we want to have people from many different backgrounds from underrepresented groups on our team because we fundamentally believe that those will make our projects better so we're looking for all of that and, you know, that that shapes how we go and look for that talent mm-hmm. and how we try to, you know, attract it, be through it, job postings, through it, you know, with partnerships with organizations from, you know, diverse backgrounds and underrepresented groups, um, from investing and letting the people who are doing the work in those communities um, help and be involved with them and let their voices be heard and being allies to them is, you know, some of the ways that we're looking for that talent. Yeah. And I think that's, it's great that you can kind of list off that criteria. One of the things that's really interesting to me when I'm talking to some of my clients about hiring and about going through that process of, you know, we run assessments or interview, help in the interview process is how often I find that people haven't actually sat down and listed out their criteria, you know, so it, you know, they usually put too many eggs in the skill set basket and maybe not in the culture basket or too many in the culture basket and not enough in the skill, you know, so it's interesting 
that I think it's such an important process to sit down and say, okay, what talent level talent do we need? What's the skill set here? Um, what's the intellect level we're looking for? You know, are they teachable? The growth potential, like you're talking about that ceiling, their emotional intelligence level, their personality, where do they fall on the disc? Does that fit on this team? Um, and do they fit our core values? Like here are our five core values. How do we think they measure up against each one? Let's ask them how they feel about each one in the interview process. Like all of that, it, you need, if we're looking for somebody who's a cultural fit and can also do the job description, we need to make sure that we really understand what that is. And so then we can say, man, this, this person really feels right. They meet this entire list and we know what we're measuring up against. Sometimes when we don't do that, we're like, oh, he seems like a great guy and they, he's worked, you know, and he's been a developer for five years. This should be great. And we just hire them. It's that quick, again, quick to fire on the surface seems, you know, and we, we don't have that criteria listed and we end up making a quick hire and not really going deep. We need to go deep, take a breath, take the time to really understand do they have this growth potential? Do they fit the culture? Um, and yeah. then we can start diving in on the retention of them once we bring them in the door. Yeah. And I think that like the trick that we use when we were much smaller is, you know, I, I, when I was out at events and when I was meeting people and Ben and I had a shared spreadsheet of people that we had met through our time of, you know, speaking or attending events or participating with people and saying, like, oh, these could be potential hires down the road. We're not ready to grow this way yet, but there's a potential people that we're interested in and that we would stay in touch with and, you know, uh, continue to make sure they knew what was going on in our business and we were ready. We could reach back out and say, like, hey, we've known each other for a while. We have this particular job open and I think you would be a good fit. Um, like, there is a whole recruitment phase that you can go through now. Personal experience says that gets much harder with scale. Mm. Um, you know, like we still meet people and do all that, but you know, we've grown enough over the last couple of years that we don't meet enough people to meet up with our hiring demands. Yeah. <laughs> so that's become a different problem. When we were small, that was a great way to, you know, continue to network. And there's some risk associated with that because, you know, we people tend to network people who look like them and come from similar mm. backgrounds. So that's definitely a risk there. Um, but we've been trying to be really intentional about getting into groups and attending events where there is, you know, a diverse you know population that we can then get to know and build those networks in those communities. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is key too, because you guys have like an internship program as well which I would imagine would be a really great place to bring in diversity. And, um, yeah. but you know, maybe in our last few minutes, talk about like, has that been a success for you guys as far as, you know, people that end up staying and, and being full-time employees for a long period of time? Yeah. So we run an apprenticeship program. Oh, apprenticeship. Okay. And I think that distinction is important, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I think I, when I think interns, I think, Hey, go get my coffee or make a couple Ooh, copies okay. for me. Okay. So I think apprenticeships a little bit more on the job training and intentional investing in people, not just giving them a line on their resume. Oh, I like that. Um, 
so yes, we've been doing it for 10 years now, um, where we bring in between three and four people or two and four people, um, every year in January and we pay them to hang out with us for six months. And we have a curriculum that we put them through, um, that we actually, our goal is to turn them from wherever they start into really, really, really well qualified beginners at the end. And it's a lot of fun. Like it, like we are able to give people an opportunity to get into the industry that may have not otherwise had an opportunity. We've had people make career changes. We've had people straight out of high school. We've had people with two-year degrees, four-year degrees, art degrees, boot camps, you name it, have come through that program. Um, usually we end up, I think every year we've hired at least one person from that program. And I think I think it's right at about 25% of our company, maybe a little bit lower than that right now, um, has been a past apprentice. Oh, wow. And it's become a huge part of who we are. Um, and one of the coolest things, in my opinion, about it is because we do it for the first six months of a year, and we actually run two apprentices now, one full stack web dev and one design one over the summer, but that, you know, they hang out with for six months, which we pay, which equalizes the playing field. Everybody makes a living wage while they learn. And then the next year, we see the apprentices from the previous years investing in the new apprentices. They are able to mentor them and help them along on their journey. And I'm a, such a big believer that teaching and mentoring and being a mentee even is such a huge part of our learning experience in that having somebody who's, you know, brand new that even our more junior members of our team can invest in and help along their journey helps them get better. And it really helps put education in the middle of our culture and our teaching and investing in people and makes that, that cog turn. Um, it's, wow. it's been everything for us in finding and being able to produce our own talent mm -hmm. and always having, you know, a pretty predictable schedule um, when we'll have people to hire. And, you know, I think it's, just one more kind of thought on that. If you want to talk about apprenticeships, reach out. I love talking about this topic. If you're out there and thinking apprenticeships, I never thought about that. How do you make that work? I have tons of ideas, but the coolest part to me is we've figured out a way to make it cost neutral mm. is we do pay those people to hang out with us for six months, a living wage. But as long as we hire, you know, about half the class, then those people that we start on projects, you know, we can start using them on projects and they start working on client things during the second half of the year. That pretty much makes that whole program cost neutral when you think about the hiring process and the recruiting process. And that's pretty stinking cool, in my opinion, something that's able to sustain itself and produce talent for, you know, a company for companies that I think sometimes have a hard time figuring out how junior members can fit in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is literally one of the best ideas I have heard for finding and retaining talented people is your apprenticeship program. I think it's brilliant and it hits all the buttons. And I think the whole, the whole way of looking at it as cost neutral is key and man, being able to see them in action within your culture on top of it all, 
is such a wonderful window into will they fit in? Is this somebody we really want to hang on to? What's their mentality? What's their, you know, do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity to do this job and be part of the Sparkbox team for a long period of time? I think it's it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty cool. Like we have one of our former apprentices is now a technical director in our company. Pretty cool. Um, another kind of cool stat is I think we've had right about 35 apprentices over the years. Um, and every single one of them that has wanted a job during has been able to leave with one when they've left, um, either with us or had an offer somewhere else. Um, the one exception is, a, you know, an apprentice several years ago who decided that tech was not for them and they did not want to be part of the industry anymore. And that, that was the end of their experience was, okay, I need to be done with this. This was fun, but, you know, so, but, you know, and part of that, we help them learn how to write resumes and go do interviews and help write letters of recommendation and find jobs. But I think you said something real important there is from an interviewing perspective, which we'll have to do a whole episode on interviewing mm, at some point, yeah. um, is you can't fake your way through six months. Yeah. There is zero. We know who you are, what you believe, how you fit at the end of that apprenticeship. There is zero chance that you don't fit, that we don't know where you fit. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just awesome. That's great. Yeah. So. Yeah, lots to say about find. We'll have to do some more, do another episode maybe. I know. And focus in a little bit more on finding talent, and then another one on retaining talent. But then yeah. this was a good one. And it's it's such an important topic. Um, so yeah, I think we we could go deeper. We might we might have to think about that. But you know, I think in closing, you know, when it comes to finding talent, take your time. Know what you're looking for. Um, get that criteria down, and with retaining. Man, you've got to provide people with an engaged, um, purpose-filled, clear role and expectation, um, and also just a lot of growth and development opportunity if you want to keep them. And then be okay when it's time for people to move on and know that it's the cycle of life in business. You know, people are going to come and go and it's the perspective that we have that is going to help us through that that whole process. Yep. A lot of people say all good things must come to an end, but I firmly believe that all things come to an end. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> good, good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, and I, I completely agree. Like I think that investing in growing your talent will help your retention and your recruiting. Yes. People will see it and notice it and be, and it'll look different than yeah, what they see out so, there. Absolutely. All right. Well, till next time. Till next time, Tracy. Thanks. This podcast would not be possible without the amazing communications team at Sparkbox. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and tell your friends to listen as well. The Overly Human podcast is brought to you by Navigate the Journey and Sparkbox. For more information on this podcast or to get in touch with Tracy or Rob, go to overlyhuman.com. Thanks for listening.